0: generations were not created for nothing. They have a purpose. And so God led us that way last week and we had some wonderful prayer here, you know, praying prayers of recovery and I'm sure you are beginning to walk in that grace. Amen. You are beginning to walk in that grace and your life will not be the same. Praise God. Now, I did promise that I will, I will finish off what I left off last week. And so that's all I will do today. Amen. Amen. I'll be finishing what, what we left off last week. And so let's go to Mark chapter 16 again. We're going to start from there. Mark chapter 16. We're talking about the oil of sonship. or so If you like the spirit of sonship. The Holy Spirit. How? The oil of sonship flows. That's what I want to teach you today. How does that flow? The oil of sonship. Because the Bible says God gives us the Spirit so that we may become the children of God. He says they that are laid by the Spirit of God are the what? The sons of God. So you cannot be a child of God, I'm repeating myself, unless the Holy Spirit makes you one. So you can't say, oh, I was just born a child of God. No, you were not. The Holy Spirit, you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit. You accept the Holy Spirit's work through Jesus Christ in your life. And the Holy Spirit begins to turn you into a child of God. He turns you and begins to turn you. Are you with me? Two things. Let's get it theologically correct. He turns you into a child of God. But then as you walk with him, he continues to make you into a child of God. Beautifies you. Guys, I'm looking at you and I know, I, I'm repeating myself. But most of you, by the end of these 12 months that we're going to do 11 more left, you will be so beautiful. Amen. Like literally, you will be so beautiful. Amen. And some of you, you begin to attract strong people. Because your life will look so beautiful And you know all the crazy ones Will start running also to you You know You girls will be in trouble as well <laughs> They'll be queuing up to marry you <laughs> So if you're married Wear your ring very well <laughs> Did he just say that? Yes I did <laughs> You know The very first thing God spoke to me when I was about 18, and I was saying, yeah, I think there's ministry in my life. And I wrote it down in my father's little concordance that I got off my dad, and I wrote it down right on the front page. Be careful of attractive attractions. Because any time God beautifies you, attractive things, things you find attractive are the things that the enemy begins to use to distract you. Attractive distractions. Are you with me? Yes. So I'm just issuing a warning. As God beautifies your life and you begin to flourish and there's oil on your head. And you look like a man of God, like a woman of God should look, a child of God. There will be attractive distractions. Don't say I didn't warn you. Don't say I didn't warn you, right? Hallelujah. But we are manifesting as sons of God. Amen. Amen. The oil of sonship. So this is going to be the third time I'm talking about this. Mark 16, 17 to 20, the Bible says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick, and the sick will get well. After the Lord had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. Somebody say everywhere. Everywhere. Mm. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied them. Amen. Amen. He confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied them. And yes last, yes, last week I talked a little bit about signs. These are proofs. The word signs means proofs. God proved that he was with them. Proved that they were his children. Flip that record the other side. They proved that God was with them. They proved that they were God's children. Hello, Amen. And so the Lord Jesus really said, these signs, signs, means distinguishing marks. And I said to you, they are distinguishing marks for those who really believe. And you must seek for them. Because you believe. Days for Christ. oh no, this is a matter of the heart between me and God, just between me. No, they are proofs. Let's see how you are walking in the proofs. Hello? Hi. Hi. Because people like to say such things. Jesus never said anything like that. But people like to say that, you know. You never know. It's between you and God, you know. You know. (laughs) He says, those that believe, these signs will follow them. In other words, Peter, you will know when they believe. Be very clear to you, Peter. As you go preaching, Philip, wherever you go, when they believe, you will know. Because there will be certain distinguishing marks that will come upon them. And they will look like my children. They will talk like my children. They will act like my children. And that's not just in moral behavior alone. But it is also above that. It is supernatural activity. Are you with me? And so I told you that there are levels, there are dimensions of power he's talking about. These are not the only things or activities that they will do, but these are dimensions of power. So he said the first dimension is they will deal in casting out demons, which means in spiritual matters they will have authority. So therefore no witch should terrify you, no soothsayer should terrify you. Nobody should terrify you. It doesn't matter. None of the palm readers should terrify you. Nothing evil should really terrify you. Because it's a dimension. He has said, even in spiritual matters, you will have authority. You will cast out demons. Now, I taught a lesson on demons a while ago. I'm not going to go there again. Then he says, they will also have another dimension in their language. They will speak new tongues. Language is for communication. They will have another way of communicating, of handling their matters. How many know that communication is what we use to handle matters? Huh? If empower giving you trouble, you have to communicate with them. If you bury their letter under your bed, you'll be in trouble. Right? Did I just release a word of knowledge for someone? (laughs) The city council are chasing you. You need to communicate with them. You hide there later, you'll be in trouble. <laughs> that trouble will trouble you. Huh? Communication is for handling matters. It's amazing sometimes how you can panic and, and panic and panic until you pick up the phone and begin to talk to somebody and you find <laughs> you did not need to panic. You know, As you begin to talk to them and they say, okay, so how can we sort you out? What can we do for you? Uh, how can we help you out? And you're like, "Oh." God has also given you a level of communication that is above the levels of this world. And I was telling you last week, like, if this communication on earth is failing, come on, you can speak in tongues. You can do an interview in tongues, I said. Literally, do the interview before the interview, in tongues. (laughs) These things I say, I also do. And then he says, they will pick up serpents and and they shall not harm them. They will drink deadly poison and you shall not harm them. That's another dimension of power. Another dimension of proofs. That you will know them, they are my children. You will not harm them by any poison. Whether it comes from a snake, from food or from anything else. Physically. Which means you can be bitten by a snake and you you can fail to die from it. Only because You are a child of God. This proofs. And I read you the story in Acts chapter 28 when Paul actually got bitten by a viper. You remember that story? And they were all waiting for him to die. And they waited for him to swell up. He didn't swell up. They waited for him to die. And he didn't die. And at the end of that story, they were calling him to their homes Come and pray for my brother. Come and pray for my mother. And they started to gather around him. And the Bible says many sick people came out and he healed them all. A prisoner. He's a prisoner. And yet he's conducting a healing crusade. Amen. (laughs) Unlimitable. The last one that I left out they will place their hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. Oh. Now we have known about that one, and we try, we lay hands on the sick. You need to understand what this is. The word sick there means weak, weakness, infirmity. Any infirmity, when you lay your hands on it, you will cause recovery. The word used there is not, you know, because in English when we just say healed, we, we kind of simplify it very much. Like it's the same as taking an antibiotic and getting healed of, 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 of that uh, chest infection you had. No. No. Whenever it is supernatural, there is something more. Are you with me? Yes. It doesn't work the same as penicillin. When Jesus is talking about healed, actually the word is used, it means recovery. That you will go where there was a lack of strength, and you will cause recovery. Actually, the actual translation is like this. You will lay hold of it. It's as simple as that. You will lay hold of it. That means you will take charge. You you, You will stand strong. Are you with me? So it's not just about headaches and, and all that. And Call Pastor Phil, I've got a headache. Please pray for me. Take a panadol. I'll pray for something else. <laughs> but you get what I'm trying to say? Yes. No, I'll pray for your headache. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll pray a very strange prayer. I'll say, God, let this headache hit so hard until he learns how to believe me. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But you get what I'm trying to say. Recovery. This is about recovery. So when you lay hands on the sick, you're going for recovery. Now, I mean, it's happened to me. It's happened maybe to some of you where you went to pray for somebody because they are not well. And as you started to pray for them, you discovered it's a recovery job. There's much more than just, hey, let the pain go. You know, God begins to show you more than that. And you go I I just came to pray for you for this but then God shows you a lot more because it's a re- a job of do you understand Have you ever gone to pray for someone for what you thought was wrong with them and when you begin to pray the Holy Spirit takes over and you never even mention that thing Because when you lay hands on the sick what's going to happen is a proper recovery where the axe was lost is where are going to go? Do you remember that story? Elisha, when he said to the young prophet, where did it fall? It's an amazing story, because in, it's in the water. It doesn't matter where it went. Elisha, are you going to dive in there? Where did it fall? It's recovery. You go where it was lost, and from there, it floats back. It's amazing. Yes. Because even those, of you, those people that are sea divers that do recovery work and all that will tell you where something went is not where you're going to recover it from. Mm-hmm. There's planes that have disappeared mm-hmm. off the coast of Australia and recovered off the coast of Japan. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Where it went, it fell, that's not where, it, but Elisha recovered it right there. So there's a lesson. God would take you there. When you lay hands on the sick, can I just pause there and teach you a little bit about healing ministry? You're going in for more than that, what, just what took them into the hospital. Sometimes the people themselves are not ready, so you, you kind of pull back. But usually you're going in for more. When you start praying for somebody to get well and you let the Holy Spirit lead you, He will show you where it went wrong. Amen. And as soon as you correct that, you will see a release. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That is also a proof that we carry. Hello. Hallelujah. I don't know whether you're going to restrict that to just people. <laughs> To just people who are living? I'm just like making you critically think about this. What is Jesus really talking about? Because he didn't restrict himself to just going for people that are alive. He even went for people that have died. Amazing, right? You are unlimitable. Amen. Amen. These signs should follow you. Hallelujah. Let's go to Acts chapter 5 verse 12. I said today I'm going to talk about how this oil really is flowing. And, and, And what's really happening. How does this oil flow? Acts chapter 5. We're going to read verse 12. We're going to read from verse 12. These signs, these proofs, they are worked by God in us. But when it comes to doing them, we are the ones that perform them. So, through us, they are outworked by God. So, if you fold your arms, these signs would never manifest. I remember last week I was saying, these signs shall follow you. means everywhere you go, they follow you. But the sign is performed by you. Because God has given you the power and the grace to perform the sign. So if you never lay hands on the sick, that proof will not follow you. If you never cast out demons, that proof will not follow you. If you never decide to speak in tongues, that will not follow you. I was having a chat last week with Zengi, just after we we did this, and, and we we're talking about tongues and all that. And and uh, Zengi uh, Zengi Zengi says to me, "Oh, I know a little bit about tongues. Dad. I know a few tongues. You know." Uh, I said, okay, I've never heard that." <laughs> he says I, I, Now I just know Rabba Shabba Baba. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay, keep practicing, boy. Keep practicing. Keep practicing. <laughs> <laughs> and now, some of you would have problems with that theological. Oh, you know. know, it's okay than him repeating a Rihanna song to me. Okay? I would rather he repeats my prayer. <laughs> 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 Amen. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he's going to speak in tongues very, very soon. Yeah. Are you with me? But if you don't speak in tongues, the signs is not going to follow you. It's not going to manifest. God has already spoken. They follow you. You've got to make room for them to manifest. You've got to. I'm reminding you of places where you've been in an interview and you forgot that you carry signs. I'm reminding you of places where you've been in trouble and you forgot. That you actually carry signs with you. And you panicked and and you thought you only carry emotions. So you were full of anxiety, fear, and everything else. But you carry also these signs. So we are praying that Holy Ghost, come on. This, you know, uh, a few weeks ago Apostle Zero was teaching us. Why did Jesus say to the disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Because he wanted them to be very conscious of power. He could have said, you will receive the Holy Spirit. Is see? He? he could have just said that. But no, 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 no. no. They were not asking about power. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So he wanted them, when the Holy Spirit came, he wanted them to be hearing this these in their ears. Power has come. So it's the same reason when we are saying these signs shall follow you, 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 it's your job to be conscious of what is following you. Some of these things, we are only one door away, and that door is a door of consciousness. Just being conscious to say, hang on a second, there is more with me. That's how battles have been won in the Bible. Just the consciousness that I'm anointed, I cannot die like this. Makes Samson rise up. Are you with me? Just that consciousness. There is a grace on me. I carry signs. That consciousness, I, you know. And I want you to drive it in before you hear your emotions. Hear these words. These signs will follow you. Because for some of us, the emotions speak too loud. Too loud. You wake up on Monday morning, you open your bank account, there's only 10 pounds left, you start to freak out. And yet you've still got 10 pounds. I don't even understand. <laughs> your emotions are just too loud. As soon as somebody steps on your toe, boom! Huh? You forget everything because your emotions speak so much for you. They speak so much to you. Listen to the voice of God. There is more with you. Hello? I'm not saying emotions are bad. But they that are laid by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Not by emotions. Hmm? We're not raising a bunch of disciples that are emotionally laid. Because then we're not going to have church and we're not even going to reach this world at all. Because the people he's sending you to reach, they will wrap you the wrong way all the time. I had a wonderful time on, on Friday in here. Is it Friday or Thursday? I was in here. A few guys came out. You know, we do quite get some people that are, you know, rough sleepers and all that. And some of them very, okay, they're drug addicts and all that. So they'll come out, they want a cup of tea. So I'll come out of the office. I'll say, oh, okay, I'll make you a cup of tea. I'll make you a cup of tea. Uh two, they came out, I talked to them. They said, no, 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 we, we were just having a chat. I'm like, okay, fine. They went. I had another one come, come in. And as I go out to check on him, he goes in the corner, he starts injecting drugs. I'm trying to reach him, he comes at me with a needle. You know? <laughs> Oh, that's just on Thursday or Friday. What's Friday? or th- Friday, I can't remember. Right here, this very place you came to pray in. Somebody was chasing me with a needle. They would have stopped me. <laughs> <laughs> they will rub you the wrong way. They will rub you the wrong way. These very people you are called to reach will rub. Rap- so you cannot be emotionally led. Hello? I can see some of you in your faces. You love a story, so you're going, finish. What's (laughs) (laughs) happening? Come next week. (laughs) I can just see in your face. (laughs) It's like, finish now. (laughs) Hallelujah. It ended very well. Amen. (laughs) It ended very, very well. Hallelujah. Betty was the one that she was on the phone talking to me, and and (laughs) somebody is hurling his doubts at me. It's great. Let's go. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. (laughs) These signs shall follow you. Amen. Amen. Proofs. Hey, it ended very well. Don't worry. They are performed by you. Verse 12. The apostles performed many signs. Acts chapter 5 verse 12. The apostles performed many signs. Who performed them? Did you see that? The Bible doesn't even mean words. It tells you who performed the signs. Well, but you know, it is because of what Jesus had declared. It is because of the Christ in them. You know all that. But very clear, they performed many signs. Let me explain one more thing. To perform a sign is an intentional thing. Because it's a sign. If you walk out there and you want to look at traffic signs, there's none of them that has come out by accident. A stop sign that just came out from nowhere. Signs are intentional. Hello? So, when it says the apostles performed many signs, they intentionally went into towns and decided to perform signs. It wasn't happening, oh, by accident. Hello? Oh, maybe one day the Lord will bring someone my way and... uh, you never know the anointing. Sure, do not miss. No. <laughs> no. I know it sounds like a seminar today, but no. You're going to get intentional about this. You're going to say, I'm a child of God, and this workplace has to change, and I'm going to perform a sign here Amen. that will change this workplace. Amen. And then you're going to define the sign. Are you with me? Amen. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John, and they are going to prayer. Do you remember that story? Yeah. At the gate called Beautiful, they meet a guy born lame. Do you remember that story? Yeah. And he asked them a question Can I have some money? And the answer was wrong question. Money we don't have, but what we have we give you. Now, how many times do we say, money I don't have, and stop there? These are nice, wonderful, challenging questions we should be asking ourselves. When a guy walks up to me, knocks on the door, and says, oh, man, do you, have you got any money? And, you know, he needs the next fix, and, and he's there, out there. How many times do I say, money I do not have? Full stop. To perform a sign, you're going to be intentional. Peter looks at the man and says, we're going to give you what we have. We have something else. It's intentional. It's, you know, we think, we read it like it's very, these are just spontaneous things. No. He decides, we're going to do something here. And they say, look at us. Look at us. And the man looks at them and they... Stretches his hand and picks him up, and he says, The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, what? rise up and walk. And he walks with them. How do you know it's intentional? He takes him in the temple. And when the people gather around them, he uses it as a preaching opportunity to get more souls saved. Very intentional in everything they did. Hello? Hi. Signs. Hey. Hey. The apostles performed many signs, wonders, and miracles among the people. Where? Among the people. I'm just reading your scripture. Among the people. Hello? Not secret miracles. To bring God the glory among the people. You need to understand. Because some of us, it is, it sometimes it is us who are robbing God of his good name. Because we do not know how to set up a testimony. Can I speak to you a little bit? You think pastors love testimonies just to advertise themselves. You don't understand. You don't understand. There are some who like to do that and, and abuse the whole thing. But listen, the Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony the word of their testimony. They were testifying about what they have seen, what they have touched, and what they have heard. You set up a testimony in such a way that glory will be given to God. Do you understand? This is what you find in the Bible when men like Samuel would actually know how to set it up so that men like Elijah, perhaps is the most perfect example, who set up in 1 Kings chapter 18... I'm like, bright, I know where my, my stories are. <laughs> <laughs> In 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah called on fire to come from heaven and the fire fell on the sacrifice. Do you remember that story? No. But did you see how elaborate he was at setting up the sign? He brought the prophets of Baal. He made them make their altar. And his altar was there. And first he made sure they had enough opportunity to prove that they can answer by fire. he, He taunted them, he pushed them to a level where they were cutting themselves. He's setting up a testimony right here. He's about to glorify his God. If it's a sign, you choose how your God will be glorified. And you determine the degree. Are you with me? You really need to get bold with this understanding. Elijah just pushes them to a level where they're almost killing themselves. And then he says, okay, now you've failed because they have done it all day. And he says, now everybody gather around me. <laughs> Elijah, how sure are you? You know, if he was your friend or your dad, you'd be shaking in your boots. You be, you'd better be sure. Because if this one fails, <laughs> your, your head right here, He says, gather around me. And they gather around around him. He repairs the altar. He puts wood on it. Everybody's excited. There's a buzz in the crowd. Something is about to happen. And then he comes up with this. He he puts the sacrifice on it. And then he comes up with this. I don't know why. But he comes up with this. Pour water on the thing. It's like, why? It's hard enough to ask for fire. (laughs) But do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's a sign. He's about to perform a sign. He's a prophet. He knows who he is. He's about to perform a sign. And so he says, pour water. They pour first one. He says, some more. They pour. And, and he commanded them to dig a trench around the thing. Fill it. They filled it with water. Before he prayed. He set it up. You need to learn to set up your testimony. Some of us as as, you know, as you're crying through some of the hard stuff you're going through, you need to begin to document it. Set up a testimony. And say, Okay, I'm gonna write this very well. You know, my wife and I had have this running joke that we we always say, Oh, this will be a wonderful testimony. And we've said it many times in our lives. You know, if something gets really hard, you go like, whoa, this will be a great testimony, this one. You set it up, you take care of the facts. And some of you like saying things like, oh, God did this and uh, that. And, and I'm like, like, really? You're not that specific. You don't understand how to glorify God through the story. You don't think details are important. And yet your Bible is full of details. And God offered them. They're very important. I've seen so many people, they pray to God for something and when the breakthrough comes, they are so lazy to see that what God has done. That's the way I can just define it. Just a laziness like it almost, they believe it's a coincidence almost. They believe, ah. that's what happens with breakthrough. When a breakthrough comes, it is very easy to think you, it's just a coincidence. And so our father keeps losing his name on the street. Because his children are not ready to sing his praises properly. This is, where, this is the place for good songwriting. This is the place where writers can write like David used to write. They, have you seen how the Israelites have written about how they escaped Egypt? There is more detail in Psalms than there is in Exodus. Do you know that? When they write and they say the horse and the rider, you know, They have fallen, and they talk about their wills and how they got stuck in a song. Detail. Have you seen how Miriam decided to explain the detail of what God had just done? And yet everyone was there. I'm showing you something. Even Moses explained the detail in a song. Hello. Setting up what the Father is about to do is an honorable thing. Because when the glory comes, when it happens, when he does what he was about to do, he takes the glory that way. Hmm? Elijah made them drench the whole place with water. And then when the fire hit, he didn't need to explain to anyone what had happened. You know, it actually says the, the, the fire leaked the water. You know that, right? It doesn't say the fire dried the water. Leaked it. I don't know whether you understand. (laughs) This kind of fire that leaks water. Everybody knew God has happened here and they couldn't touch Elijah at all. That's why he went ahead. He said to the king, Go. The king went. That's his enemy. He went after the the prophets of Baal, killed all of them, 300 of them, killed them. Because they had just seen the fire leak water. But who set it up? Elijah. You should be conscious of the signs, the proofs that you carry, and set it up in that office of yours. Are you with me? Set it up to say, okay, when God moves, you will know God has moved. Yeah? And you set it up. Are you with me? Yeah. We want sons are bold. Yeah. This is a manifestation of the children of God here. We're gonna be bold in declaring our God. Yeah. Not after he has done something, before. This is what would this is what made the children of Israel be bold, people. You know, they would start declaring his praises, going into battle. They are declaring his praises. They haven't won the battle yet. But they are praising their God. Are you understanding this? This is what makes Paul and Silas amazing. Because they are in prison. Chained. In prison. And they are declaring his praises. They are declaring their God. But every place in the Bible where you find people who had such an understanding... It means the chains were about to break. So every prisoner knew when that happened, they knew this is linked to Paul and Silas, period. That is what we call a testimony. Nobody's left thinking, ah, maybe. maybe." No, very linked. Hello? Hello? So the apostles performed many signs. I'm not even advancing that much. And the believers were wonderfully united as they met regularly in the temple courts. Known as Solomon's porch. No one dared harm them for everyone held held them in high regard. Are you with me? The oil of sonship begins to flow in this atmosphere here where the believers have come into a place where they have one passion for God. Are you with me? How does this oil flow? I could use an example of of Psalm chapter 133, when the Bible says behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It shall be like the oil flowing from Aaron's head to his beard and to the rest of his garments. The oil flows on a body. B-O-D-Y. These signs I'm talking about should not be individualized as our generations do it. But it is, there are signs that should say These are believers. Are you with me? Which means you carry proofs, you carry proofs that will make people say, hmm, I saw joy. And you, and you, what's different about you? Hello? If it's one person, we think we've just found another Beyonce. Are you with me? We think just found a star. That's why Jesus is talking about the body. Because he wants to see the body functioning. If it's just you, we think you're just special. You know, we, human beings, we're not very complicated. We're simple like that. If we think you're special, we're okay with it. We will even pay to come and see you. Because we think you're special. And we'll see it. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. When he's talking about his body, you, he's talking about all of us. These signs are functioning in our lives. All of us. Hello? God knows this is why I got into ministry. I'm very passionate about this. This is why I I got into ministry because the body of Christ is not a body of consumers. It's not about coming to church every Sunday, sitting down, consume a good message, go home, do your work, come back again next Sunday, consume a good message, go back. This is not Tesco. <laughs> I've said that many times. It isn't. It isn't. Oh, but even Tesco is much better because you come out with your bread. This is a body of Christ. You came to be a member of the body of Christ. Are you with me? You are a member of the body of Christ. When the oil flows from the head which is Christ, it touches the body which is you. I know, I know. We like replacement theology and so we we, we preachers of today put it this way. The oil flows from the head which is me the pastor. And then nah. I, I know my role nobody can easily me. I know what I am called to do. It's not about that. The oil flows from the head, which is Christ. There's only one anointed one, if you've if, if you read the Bible very well, yeah. and that's Jesus. Yeah. And if you're not part of the body, you're not part of his anointing. Where you got yours, we don't know. He's yeah. the only one called the anointed one. Yeah. I don't know whether you know that. Christ means the anointed one. And he's anointed. You become part of him to be part of his anointing. The oil flows from him. But it flows on his body. His body. And I want to do a good job as a pastor to teach you guys that no, this oil flows in you. Not just in your leaders. It flows in you. Hello? Hello? Not just in those, the super apostles, as Paul calls them. It flows in you too. Amen. These signs should follow you. Amen. We will speak much quicker to our city. When 100 of us, when 10 of us are flowing like children of God. Amen. Then we will speak to the city very quickly. Better than any crusade can do. Do you know that? Amen. Crusade is not the first means of evangelism. It's not even the best means of evangelism. I don't know whether you understand it. We spend so much money on crusades. It's not the first means, neither is it the best means. The best is you and me. Jesus was not foolish when he designed it this way. The best is you and me moving in the power of God wherever we are. Moving in signs and wonders, learning to preach the gospel as it is with power. When you and me are functioning well, we don't need a crusade. We're going to change lives. My God. Can you see what can happen to the city? But like you live in Greenwood and you live in Burton and, and I live in Sutton Park and you live there and you live and, and the power of God is flowing. Can you see what's gonna happen? Yes. Can you see lights lighting up across the city? Yeah. Lighting up everywhere. Because you are there and you are a child of God and you keep the light on. You keep the fire on. This stuff is supposed to follow you. I'm here to make sure you understand, you convince, you understand this stuff is supposed to follow you. Hello? Hi. They did this. Let me quickly, I'm going to wrap up because I'm not, I'm not ready to preach too long today. Let, let, me, let me just quickly tell you two things are supposed to happen. Two minds, mind uh, shifts in your mind when it was happening with these believers. there's something very powerful. He says, no one dared to harm them, for everyone held them in high regard. Perush. Hey. Did you see that one? They are not a wimpy, scared church in a building somewhere. Scared that they're going to be hurt by someone. I don't know, sometimes we paint them like that. The disciples locked themselves in a room. They were scared. They, (laughs) They were not. The Bible says the power of God in their midst was so strong, so strong, that people stopped to talk against us. They were scared. The people were scared. In your Psalm it says no one dared to join them. Huh? These people. Gosh, these people. You see when we have an assembly of believers like this we want the power of God the love of God the holiness of God to be so tangible in the room to be so strong you this is what we should all be crying for. That, Father, we want to meet with you. Those of us that were coming came early, we started prayer by prayer in this place for about 30 minutes we were praying. We want to meet with you. It, it's about meeting with God, Amen. such that if a person who doesn't know Christ walks in here, they will know for sure there is a meeting with God in this place. Amen. It's nice to be seeker-friendly as people are being seeker-friendly nowadays, opening their churches to everyone. But that's not the model you see in the Bible. I heard a wonderful story of a guy a guy that said uh, uh, the day his life changed is when, when uh, uh, he, 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 got, he went to church and, he was, and, and then he would go outside and he would have a smoke and all that and all that. And the vicar said to him, uh, and he met the vicar on the door, uh, and his excuse was, oh, God accepts us as we are, vicar, doesn't he? And the vicar said, yeah, 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 it's all right. You can have a smoke. God accepts us as we are. And then after coming out of the church, the vicar said to him, "Uh, did he change you? Because he accepts you as you are, but as you're coming out, he should have changed you in there. Did he change you? Because if we're meeting with God, it's fine. You can come drunk, you can come Whichever way you like. But he's going to transform your life. Then that makes sense. Then we say, Our doors are open. Come as you are. But come as you are because we know you won't leave as you are. You will be changed. Instead of turning it into a club of Tolerance, a club of there's no heaviness of the presence of God. And people are just like, oh, no, what else do the people want for church to be nice and friendly and happy? Oh, we should smile more. Oh, we should smile more. Great. Uh, oh, I've attended some church seminars, trust me, some leadership seminars where, you know, all you're talking about is how to do this better, how to smile better, how to preach better, how to... You know, <laughs> These people are used to, to being pampered all the time. They won't even sit in a chair if it's dirty. They won't clean it. They'll be oh, no, 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 this church, this church. Clean it! You're a member of the body. Oh, this church, the toilet. Ah, what's wrong with you? Am I speaking too much? for your sake for your sake I'll stop (laughs) okay so let me come back from there (laughs) so there is something there before I talk about the shift in the mindset let me tell you these two things where I'm coming from I'm coming from this the believers were wonderfully united remember last week I told you I'm going to show you a Greek word in there that's the Greek word there, wonderfully united. Or when you read it, it's, it's, in some translation it says they were in one accord. Are you with me? Yeah. It is H-O-M-O-T-U-M-A-D-O-N. Homothumadum. Oh, homothumadum. Okay, which means same in passion. So when you read one accord, it says they were the same in their passion. They were passionate about the same thing. Are you with me? It, it, it begins to mean they were one with one another. They, 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 they were burning for the same thing. That's why when we do things like prayer hub in this church and all that, it's, it's, that's, the same, that's what we're trying to do. We're, try, we're trying to burn for the same thing. It doesn't matter how you came. But it matters how you leave this place. Yes. I better make sure, it doesn't matter, you came burning so that God may give you a breakthrough. When you hit this place, I want you to discover the biggest breakthrough is to meet God. Yes. You, you came because God you wanted God to heal you. It, it really doesn't matter to me. When you, but when he heals you, there is more. Yes. I want you to encounter him, the healer himself. I want you to live with a passion. Amen. Burn in you with the same passion. And everywhere where you find that word in the New Testament, something happens. They were in one accord, Acts chapter 1. They were in one accord, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came. In one accord, Acts chapter 4, the Holy Spirit came. Are you with me? Yeah. Acts chapter 5, they were in one accord and God did mighty miracles in their midst. Every time the believers begin to burn together with one heart and they begin to burn with a passion for God himself. You see, most of the time God is waiting. You see, these these problems and issues you go through, sometimes they are like, uh, you know, like, uh, oh, I remember those days when I just fell in love with my wife uh, before we got married, you know. And, and, and I came home one day, I'm coming home. Uh, I was living with my brother. I'm coming home from, from, from where I don't know where I was. You know, I'm coming home, it was my birthday, and, and, I, and, I, and I entered the house. I didn't know she had come, you know, to see me. Debbie, by the way, the one <laughs> wife that I have, the only wife, you know. <laughs> I didn't know she had come to see me, so I opened the door. And and, she, and, and and I found the sign saying, follow this sign. So I'm following the sign of a sign. I find my brother, up there. I'm like, hey, what's happening? He says, just follow the signs. <laughs> I follow the signs. I follow the signs of my nice little rose petals. And I follow the sign. And then I go and then under the bed. There's some nice presents for me. Are you with me? I love chocolate, by the way. So you do yourself a favor. Give me your chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I found that... So I followed the side. You know, that nice, you know... Oh, you should play such games with your wife, eh? Or your husband, okay? And... and, 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 and I said wife or husband, right? Okay. Just checking. Okay, so... <laughs> 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 you will meet me really <laughs> alright I need to finish why, why am I using that example so sometimes I feel like this, some of these things that bring us into his presence because we are disturbed by something because we are not happy about something they are just bringing us into his presence like follow the signs, follow the signs. but when you arrive it's him you are supposed to meet it's God you are supposed to encounter It's God you were supposed to meet. That's why Jesus wasn't happy when they came. They ate bread and they came again. They were expecting bread and they came again. He says, no, 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 no. It's not because he ran out of miracles. He could feed them with bread miraculously every day if he wanted to. But he went, no, no, no. You got it wrong. It's me you're supposed to be meeting. It's me you're supposed to be believing. So he turned it on them. Do you know what he said? Eat my body. Drink my blood. It's me, not this bread I'm giving you. Me. You're supposed to eat me. And they ran away. Over 3,000 people left. Are you with me? Hmm. Yeah. Did you learn something there? Yes. So we're going to burn with the same passion for him. I want you to change your mind. To say, okay, I was looking for this, but no, no, no. I found something better to look for. Something better to die for. Something better to fast for. Something better. Do you understand? And him. Him. I want if heaven looks down on us to to just hear one cry. We want you! It is you we want, oh God. We want to meet you. I wanted him to sort out my family or my marriage, but now I found something better. It is him. And you know, the people who reach that place are the same people who return with harvest sheaves of joy. Hello? Two things must happen, I said. Two things must shift. One, there must be a desire to do life with God daily. I speak basic things. These are basic discipleship things. You must have a desire to do life with God daily. That must happen consciously. Today, I will do life with God. This is where praying helps when you start your day. Hello? Build it in your system. That you will do life with God daily. Don't start your day the same way the dog starts the day. Or your dog starts the day. I don't know, maybe my chickens sing a few praises. Because sometimes we hear them make some noise in the morning. But don't, you, you have to be conscious about that. That God has left in your power. It's up to you to wake up and go about the day. Like any other animal did. Or you can decide, I will start my day conscious that I'm doing life with God. You will slap yourself a few times. Slap yourself a few times. Soon, you will be so conscious of the God that is around you. Soon, you will be so conscious, you will even feel his presence. The times you walk, you're driving, you get in the car and you just, you feel God with you. Because you're training your mind. You see, the prophetic or the gifts of God are outworked through the mind. Yeah. That man there was teaching me the other day. <laughs> They're outworked through the mind. And it's true. If so, if you don't bring... if, if you, God did not call you to bypass your mind. Okay? He gave you the mind. But it's the way you use the mind. That's the, the way you're going to use. The consciousness of God. Philippians chapter four verse eight might help us. It says it says these things. It says it says uh, whatever is pure, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is of good report, on these things, do think. Yeah? It talks about a conscious Uh, or a a deliberate decision to think on certain things. Now, I know, we we, we love the prophetic, we love the spirit and stuff like that. And, And then we don't like to be told to think. And yet, that is what the enemy is challenging you on every day. Every time he brings a problem, he's challenging your thinking. If he walks your thinking, you don't get to where God wants you to be. It is there. I've got a book in there, and many of you have read it, Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer. And you can have it for free if you want it. I'll give you today. It is in there. Fourth thing. The enemy is challenging you there, so you've got to make a conscious decision. I'm going to outwork this thing. I'm going to start Thinking of doing life with God daily. The same example I gave you, Acts 3. What makes Peter decide to look at a beggar and say, ah, What I have, I I'll give you? What do you have? Let's see what Peter has. We watch. And then he gives the guy a recovery. He gives a guy a creative miracle. The guy gets up. Is this what Peter has? Do you understand? Yes. That's what you have. He knows he has signs and wonders. He has proofs with him. So when he says, I'll give you what I have, the consciousness, he's very conscious of it. Do you think these are the first people to pass this man to go in the temple? Hmm? You're going to give what you have. But you've got to know what you have. So the thinking must shift. I'm, going to, I'm doing life with God daily. Me, I'm doing life with God daily. I'm doing life with God daily. I am doing life with my God daily. <sighs> Not just with your emotions. You hear it? Yeah. God. I told you today he's like a seminar. And the second thing and last thing that needs to shift is to understand the second, the second sentence. I am part of a bigger agenda. Mm-hmm. Most people still don't get it. They came into Christ. They are sat in Christ. But they don't understand Jesus has a body and he has an agenda for it. They're still just living for themselves. I love breakthrough. But let me tell you what I love most. Jesus. And his agenda. We're not a bunch of volunteers. If the body can begin to decide some of the things. Before you make your agenda, understand what he's doing. You can't has called you to do. Whether it's a business, it's a church, it's whatever he has called you to do. Don't do things without understanding what God is doing. You are part of them. Nobody will graduate you one day and say, oh, now you're dead you. You can be serious with the bigger agenda. <laughs> you said you are of Christ. You are part of his body. When he is planning, he is counting you too. So how... Why don't you think like that? Why do you think, no, for you, it's just you, that you must break through, and then break through. Of breakthroughs, there will be no end. Today's breakthrough, tomorrow's testimony, then another breakthrough. You will be wanting breakthroughs forever. Oh, Pastor, no, that's too much. It's true. It's true. How many are married now? How many thought marriage is where it's at? Now you're married, you're looking for some more things. Maybe if God can do that. Huh? Are you with me? Yeah. You thought buying a house is where it's at, you bought a house and now what? you thought not driving is where it's at, you drive, so now what? <laughs> now what? Huh? Oh, now you're convinced, it's the Rolls Royce. The Rolls Royce. <laughs> <laughs> May you drive one. And may you worship God driving one. Did you hear those (laughs) (laughs) Amen? That is what I'm addressing here. (laughs) But may you drive one. Fine. May you live in a house that you dream of. But may you never, never be out of the bigger agenda. Amen. That should come first. That's what should be drawing you, making decisions for you. Are you with me? Yes. Ah! <laughs> Let me finish. You know, a few weeks ago, I met a guy you know, who's become a, a friend of mine. You know, we talk on the phone. I met a guy who lives in um, Sunderland. And, and, and because of this understanding... He's decided, he was quite a well-off guy, he's decided to downsize his house. Something that can function pretty well without stretching themselves too much financially. Because of the bigger agenda, right? He decides to invest himself in planting house churches everywhere around Sunderland and change his lifestyle. Now, you might not agree with everything he does. Like, you might say, no, 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 me, I want the biggest house in the world. You will have it. You will have it. But that's not the most important thing. You will discover it wasn't the most important thing. And it will be sad. It is much better to respond to Jesus' agenda. Begin to see Jesus' agenda. Your success divine, decide, defined by his agenda. Of monies and cars, there will be no end. Of great businesses, there will be no end. And trust me, I'm not talking this so that, you know, tomorrow you can't buy me your chocolate because Pastor Phil said... Uh, is, it doesn't. No, I want fine things too. But I have found something better than fine things. I can live very well whether I own a house or not. Some of you will never sleep until you own a house. Listen, I can live very well whether I own a house or not. I don't know what they have told you. This is what Paul used to say. I have learned to be content with... <laughs> In all these things, right? I can do all things through Christ. That's where it comes from. He says, I've learned to be with. I don't know. It's like I've been in prison. I've been a free man. You know, it doesn't really matter to him. Yeah. It's like because I've found the big thing. But you see, this is the very place you need to be for all other things to follow you. Yeah. Seeking things is not the commandment. <coughs> it is him first. Amen. Then all things follow him. Amen. So, you hear me preach like this, preach like this. Then you hear, I've bought a bigger house. But one thing you should be sure of. Attachment to material is none of my business. I gave that uh, don't be too attached some things people are attached to I mean it's crazy they are too attached to, your, to just uh, your suit <laughs> <laughs> mm. there are bigger things in life yeah. huh? mm, I talk properly I the, the passion for Christ the hunger for his agenda must be greater than the hunger for your breakthrough. That's what I'm trying to say. You who have breakthroughs this year, don't worry about that. I I don't even control that. God is going to bless you crazy. It's not a problem for God to bless anyone. He doesn't run out. His problem is this. Will I find faith on the earth? That's his problem. His problem is this, you have left your first love. That's his problem. That's his problem. His problem is this, I'm seeking for true worshippers. Those that worship in spirit spiritual church. That's his problem. God's problem is people's hearts. Not what to give you. So if you begin to understand the bigger agenda, and seek change the mindset I am part of something bigger this life is not just about me I'm part of something bigger then you understand what happened to the believers I return and finish to the book of Acts when they gathered together you know it says they gathered together in some translation it says daily in some translation it says regularly but you know what does it take for business people, for, for people who are running their own trades, farmers and what, what? They are gathering daily. Wow. Do you understand how passionate they were about God? We're just doing one day of prayer. hub, And you know how, how hard it is, right? Oh, you don't find it hard, some of you? <laughs> you know? But you get me? It says they were meeting regularly, daily. These are people doing life some of them are are, are, are tradesmen some of them are you know we know that they are living their normal lives but you know Christ became the very reason we worked twice as hard I don't know whether you understand he became the very reason they did their overtime he became the reason they were tired at the end of the week they are tired because they are too passionate about you. You know, sometimes we get tired too quickly, some of us. In our passion for Christ. You know, it is time, it's, it's important to teach your body to say, no, 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 I'm more passionate about Christ than this. And get yourself up. Sometimes, believers, we, we are amazing at how, how, how lazy we can be for Christ. We can be lazy as a, oh, I'm getting too oh, I'm just, the first thing we cut is church meeting or prayer meeting. It's the first thing we cut, never TV time. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just have a rant for a little bit. <laughs> That's the first thing we cut. The first thing, oh, I'm getting too tired now. So the first thing, no prayer. What's wrong with you? How are you passionate about Christ? Do you see the bigger agenda? Hello? See the bigger agenda. He's doing something. Let me bring it down to hope. He's doing something in this city. You need to be part of it. You're a member of the body of Christ in this city. And it's a body. I repeat, it's a body. It's not one person. And God is doing something in this city. I don't know whether you can see it. If you can't see it, there's a problem with how you're plugging into the body. You can't come to this church five, six times and I never tell you about something like that. I believe there's something God is doing in the body of Christ in this city. And he's going to cause an increase of the body of Christ in this city. We're going to see new churches planted in this very city. More new churches. More new churches. For a few weeks, we, me and Amy and, 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 and Debbie, we spent some time praying for, over Orchard Park, and we were praying over that area because we were seeing God showing us certain things about the area. And within a few short times, they, I've had now two churches are going into Orchard Park for ministry. Are you with me? God is doing something in this city. I, I was concerned about these guys, their school, the school they go to. And KB was just telling me a wonderful story of how God is opening doors for them to start ministering there next week. Are you with it? God is on the move in this city. We can literally, instead of running away, you see the easier thing would be oh no, my child should not be there. Pull them out. Ah, we are men of God. I said to this guy, you go to a school, you change it. It's says. Just- Believe what you believe. <laughs> believe it. God can use you to shift things. Change things. Huh? You transform places. God can do that through you. We are bigger than we think we are. Hello? Hello? Don't leave anything unless God says, Go, leave it. But we are bigger than that. Stop running from people. Stop it. You're bigger than that. Amen. You carry more. You're part of a bigger agenda. Look up and say, Okay, is there something we're doing here? And Jesus will speak to you. Yeah, there's something we're doing here. Just stay there. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday here about they wanted to leave something. And I said, no, 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 I don't think it's time. He said, yeah, but God keeps telling me it's not time for me to leave. And, 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 but I don't understand why. I said, you don't have to understand why. I'm happy that God has spoken to you. You're part of a bigger agenda. Just stay. Breakthrough is not about you doing things. It's about you staying in the right place. Because he just wants you there so that when he comes, you will be the door he walks in through. But he's got an agenda why he places us in different places. Are you with me? It's a bigger agenda. Stop living just for yourself. That's what I'm trying to beg you to do. Yeah. Stop living just for yourself and for your comfort and for the money in your pocket. And, and Stop it. You're part of a body of Christ. You are a member of something bigger. He did not raise consumers, disciples. So when we move into Samaria like Philip did, we bring a revival there. When we move into any area, that God sends us, we are saying, what's the agenda here, daddy? Amen. Let's, stand with me. Stand with me. Stand with me. I'm going to finish. So as we come into last, last, last week of prayer and fasting, the oil of sons will move. Listen, I know I've gone on the side of correcting things. Strongly, but it's because I know what God is really setting you up for. You're not going to miss out. No, 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 no. I won't watch you miss out. There is something God is doing. It's it's going to set you up for. There's just something God is doing, over His body. I can't explain it, but there's there's a release. There's a manifestation of His children. There's a release. There's almost like. In, in, in what happened in the land of Goshen when the children of Israel, when God decided, I'm going to distinguish my children. He just decided. And imagine, he would put darkness in their village. Um, in, and then leave light. I don't even know how that works. Like two places. Like there's darkness in, 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 in Orchard Park. And there's light here. That's how God would do it. He decided, I'm going to distinguish my children. Do you understand what you've walked into? You've walked into a Goshen kind of distinction. God will distinguish you mightily, but I want you to carry the consciousness of I am living with God, I am part of a bigger agenda. Or oh, even my job fits in this grand scheme of things. Everything, my business, my creativity, the dreams I have, everything fits in this bigger agenda. There's nothing just for me. It is all for the bigger agenda. All of it. It's here to serve him. Here to serve his agenda. And watch what he's going to do with you. Watch what he's going to do with you. He will come. And take the glory. He will come and share his goodness in your life. Hallelujah. Big agenda. Are you with me? Amen. So as we go into the, the rest of this week, I know this is our last week of prayer and fasting. We're gonna have communion and finish the service. This is our last week of prayer and fasting. And somebody say amen to six well, o'clock finishes. Well, nice. <laughs> so but as we come into this, this last week, we're going to do the last week of prayer and fasting. I want you to really just, it's, it, this is going to be a week of surrender, okay? A week of surrender. And, you know, and Mama Ezekiel is going to help us to just post things out again. But literally, what I'm talking about is a time to just worship God and surrender. You know, worship means surrender.